0: And his version of Christianity, leaned heavily on the thou shalt nots. And the chief listened week after week, month after month. And finally he said to the missionary, I I don't understand. You tell me that I must not take my neighbor's wife. That's right, the missionary said. Or his ox, or his ivory. Again, correct, said the missionary and I must not dance the war dance and kill. You've got it, said the missionary. The chief thought for a minute, and he said, but I cannot do these things now, for I am too old. To be old and to be Christian must be the same thing. (laughs) Think about that. To many in this world today, They picture Christianity, sadly, as old and joyless and sapless and constrained. To much of the world, Christianity is pictured as an enemy of life to stop you from enjoying pleasure. How many, I wonder, think about Christianity like the lady who said, Find out what the baby's doing and make it stop. Many inside and outside the church have taken the good news of the gospel and confused it with, Thou shalt not. We're in danger of forgetting that God is joy and the source of great pleasure. He is fun and light and laughter. We're meant to enjoy. If not, we're like the old sheep. We try to be negatively good and make virtue out of misery. So today we're going to begin the study of the Ten Commandments. And we can view these words as old and constraining or we can translate this to say, thou shalt not enjoy life. We can portray this picture of Christianity if we're not careful about it. Can't we? If we're not careful, we can say, you know, it's just something to slow you down from doing the things you really want to do. or. We can look at these words, God's words, to teach us how to live the way he wants us to live and enjoy the gift of life. So I start in Exodus chapter 19. Before I do that, let's pray together. Father, it was quite a day when you gave these words. The mountains shook and the people trembled and you were real. Be real to us. Speak to us with your word. Father, help us to have that mountain experience. Because we're so connected to you. Help us to portray Christianity the way you want us to portray it. In Jesus' name, amen. So Exodus 19 gives us a little background of how things started. And about just the beautiful spectacle of that day when Moses received the commandments. Beginning in verse 16, it says, On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and there was light, and God is showing off. A thick cloud on the mountain and a blast of a trumpet so loud that all the people who were in camp trembled, a heavenly trumpet. Maybe Gabriel was blowing this way. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the, at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had... Descended upon it in fire the smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln while the whole mountain shook violently as the blast of the trumpet grew louder and louder Moses would speak and God would answer him in thunder when the Lord descended upon Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain the Lord summoned Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up can you imagine watching this big in this crowd The ground is shaking. You're holding your ears because the trumpet that you cannot see from heaven is coming. There's smoke coming up like a kiln. There's fire. There's rumblings. You hear voices. You've got to be petrified and amazed at the same time. And in verse 21, the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people not to break through to look to the Lord to look, otherwise many of them will perish. I don't think I would have needed to have been told that to you. I'd have been scared to death. I'd have been on the ground, I think, groveling. But God continued, even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. And we're in a very holy moment. This is extremely holy ground. Nobody else, come up. Moses said to the Lord, the people are not permitted to come up to Mount Sinai. For you yourself warned us, they've set limits around the mountain, keep it holy. The Lord said to them, go down and come up bringing Aaron to you. But do not let even the priests or the people break through to come up to the Lord, otherwise he will break out against them. So Moses went down and told the people, to the people, and told them. Now this time they listen. Later on when he tells them not to do some things, they're not really good at listening, but God has their attention now. And he has Moses' attention, and God is about to give some words, well, we're still talking about today. Even non-Christians know these Today's just the first one. Verses 1 to 3 of Exodus 20. God spoke all of these words. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Commandment number one. You shall have no other gods before me. God is shouting so loud here that his words have echoed down through history. And it's interesting what God is doing here as he begins. He's reminding Israel of his power and his goodness by saying, I brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Remember all that I have done for you. Parents do this. When there's a discussion with the child, and the child might not be so thankful. You ever had that speech or given that speech? You need to realize what I have done for you. I put a roof you. You've heard that, been there, done that? Parents do that kids. Husbands do that to wives. I work hard every week and I put food. Maybe you've had that conversation. Wives have it with husbands. You have no idea what I, I'm just guessing this one. I've never had this one in mind. But, but wives have that conversation with, with husbands. Bosses have it with employees. I, you know, I've got this company, and I can shut this down if I if I want to. And you're lucky to have a job here. You better be here. And employees do it for the bosses. Like, you know, we we work hard for you. You would. This happens. And so that's what God is doing. He's reminding Israel about his deliverance and his power. I found this story this week. Never had heard it before. A young boy built a toy sailboat. With his bare hands, worked and worked and worked for a long time to build a sailboat. And he would take it to a, his favorite lake to sail it. And he was always careful not to let it go too far out. But one day, the inevitable came and the wind blew and the boat went beyond his reach. And he tried to get it and he almost drowned, tried to get it, and it was gone. He went home heartsick, thinking he would never see the boat again. But a few weeks later, he went into. Uh, town and a little shop, and he was so excited because his sailboat was in the window. He went to the manager and said, you found my boat. I made that boat. It's mine. I'd like to have it back. The man behind the counter said, well, maybe it was yours once, but it's mine now. And if you want the boat, it'll be 20 bucks. Might as well have been a million. The little boy didn't have $20 and didn't know how he could get it, and he put his head down and started out the door, but the man stopped him and said, you know, wait a minute. I need talk to..." Sweeping and cleaning empty in the trash, so I'll give you a few dollars a week if you will come work for me And then you can buy your sailboat, and so the little boy agreed Every week he'd come and he'd work for the man. The owner would give him a few dollars. Finally the day came when he'd saved up enough money He went to the owner with a pocket full of crumpled bills. And he bought his boat back As he walked out of the store holding the boat like a long lost friend, he said to his little boat, You're mine twice now. You're mine the first time because I've made you, and now you're mine again because I've bought you. Before giving the Ten Commandments, God is saying that to Israel. I'm the Lord who made you, refer to Genesis. And now in Exodus, and this is my book, before the time of Christ and all of that tradition, but now he's saying, like, I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery. I, I took care of you again. So that's how it begins that. We have a relationship, God says. I've done so much for you. And so between verses 2 and verse 3, there ought to be another word, I think, and the word ought to be therefore. I've done all of this for you, therefore you need to do this. So the Ten Commandments really is our response to God and His goodness and His provision all that he's done for us, then we ought to do these things. So what does God want? Verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. You, We all know there's two ways we can go. Two things to worship. The true power, the false power, God or the devil. But to put this into the positive helps me. Instead of thou shalt not have other gods before me, it helps me to look at the first commandment this way. And I love this. Thou shalt have me. This is not original to me. C.S. Lewis, you know C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis's wife is a lady named Joy Davidman. Joy Davidman wrote the best book of the Ten Commandments I've ever read. It's called Smoke on the Mountain. And what she does, and what we're going to do in the next probably ten weeks, What she did was turn them all into the positive. So today, instead of thou shalt have no other gods before me, I like it this way. Thou shalt have me. For man, this is the greatest truth ever. That God wants a relationship with us. The first commandment lets us know that God wants us to make him our priority. What else could we put above God? We're going to talk about that next week. About this commandment, look what Jesus said in Matthew 22. beginning at verse 36. When he was asked the question, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? What is, which commandment is the greatest in the law is the greatest? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's the greatest and the first commandment. Yeah. Thou shalt have me. Thou shalt have me. You remember a few years back, I think it was 2003, in the state of Alabama, and I think it was Judge Roy Moore, where they tried to take the Ten Commandments out of a courthouse. Remember all that mess in 2003? There was a battle in Alabama about the Ten Commandments, and a group of protesters gathered in Montgomery. And I was watching this on the news, in great interest. And one of the ladies said to the camera, and I quote, well, I don't understand. I ain't big on God, but I believe in Him. Alright, she's defending the Ten Commandments by saying, I ain't big on God, but I believe in Him. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37, Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. What the protester said in defending the Ten Commandments, she was breaking the first commandment. I ain't big old God. When we lose sight of the first commandment, we lose sight of God. When we lose sight of thou shalt have me and stop being excited about thou shalt have me, then we get in trouble. If we miss the first one, the next night are going to be trouble. If we get it right, the next night aren't so hard. In reviewing the Ten Commandments, Moses had this to say about the First Commandment in Deuteronomy chapter 6. You know these words too. Kind of commentary on movement. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're away, when you lie down, when you rise. And bind them as a sign on your hand, Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Many of our Jewish friends recite those verses from Deuteronomy twice a day. It is to them a prayer called the Shema. Shema is Hebrew, word for hear. From here, though, Israel. And I think all of us need to hear those words from Deuteronomy 6. Love God with all our heart, Love Him so much that He recites them to your children. Talk about them at home and away, when we lie down when we get up. And some take verse 8 is uh, literally, verse 8, bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead. You've seen pictures like this before and you wonder why they do that. See the little box on the head? The phylactery. See the wrappings on his arm? They took verse 8 literally, and you might bump into somebody wearing that on their forehead. You need to make sure they're in your heart and in your mind. As we wrap up the first commandment, remember this in the positive. God looks at you put your name in that blank and says, Thou shalt have me. That's news. It's my prayer that you said yes to that with all your heart. Just think how different this world would be if everybody just followed that. Well, we can be different. Can't we? Let's pray to God. <coughs> Father, thank you for the positive of the Thank you that you look at us and say,